and hello to you and welcome to the Richard Nichols podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols and this is episode 152. It's titled 15 Minutes to Happiness and if you're ready, we'll start the show. Happy New Year! Welcome to 2018. It's it's roughly the same as 2017, but with fewer fidget spinners. One change for me, though, is that I have a book out. A real book. A proper paper, turn-the-page book. Although there is a Kindle version, of course. <laughs> it's called 15 Minutes to Happiness, and it accompanies my podcast series wonderfully. So, If you want to make some changes in 2018 to steer yourself in a happier direction, please pop along to 15minutestohappiness.com, where there are links to all the popular retailers, including links to Audible for the audiobook, who actually offer a free 30-day trial. And I don't know whether it's okay to tell you this and whether whether, whether it does me harm, but this is a bit sneaky. But if you sign up and download my audiobook through Audible, you then get to keep it even if you cancel your free trial. Happy days. Free audio. And the fact that you're listening to this podcast means you like audio. And it may be you like free stuff too. So even if reading books is not really your thing, you can still enjoy more of my stuff. And it is me narrating it too, by the way, but don't let that put you off. Anyway... I want you to think about this question. Are you ready? It's it's a lengthy question. You'll see why. Are you ready? Right, okay. Please imagine a ladder with steps numbered from zero at the bottom to ten at the top. Suppose we say that the top of the ladder represents the best possible life for you. And the bottom of the ladder represents the worst possible life for you. On which step of the ladder would you say you personally feel you stand at this time? Assuming that the higher the step, the better you feel about your life, and the lower the step, the worse you feel about it. Which step comes closest to the way you feel? This rather long-winded, and dare I say it slightly tedious question, is asked once per year by Gallup, the famous poll company. They ask a thousand people in each of 150-odd countries from around the world to work out how happy each country is on average. And Gallup don't just ask this question. There are loads of them, some of them just as tedious. They ask about their relationship status, how many children they have, how many friends they have, that sort of thing. They ask about how much time they spend driving to work and whether or not they mow their own lawn or get the kid down the road to do it for a fiver. All of these questions are dumped into a computer and given enough people, we're able to see what sort of effects our life has on our levels of well-being. And it really does churn out some very interesting things, some of it quite counterintuitive too. Now, what we find is that most people in the top 20 countries rate themselves as being between six, six and a half, say six and a half and seven and a half out of 10. The UK is is at number 19, by the way, with an average of about 6.7. And to put that into context, the world average is 5.3 and Europe is about six. Norway is number one with 7.5 out of 10. That's a good number to strive for. On the whole, a Norwegian attitude seems pretty good. Wages are high, but so is tax. And the cost of living is quite high. Things are, things are expensive in Norway. So financially, 
Norway's not really any better off than the UK, but people rarely work past 5pm and they have a great community spirit. They embrace cold weather with a positive Viking attitude of come and have a go, unlike us. We came to a halt just before Christmas, didn't we? Because it snowed for a day. Well, a day and a half. <laughs> but it, we, we literally came to a stop. The Norwegians, they tick the right boxes for well-being. So if we can aim for 7.5 out of 10 on the happy scale, then we're doing well. So with an average of 6.7, what can we do to raise ourselves up one point and become the happiest country in the world? Well, Gallup aren't the only people that have been surveying people over the years. There's the 10,000 individuals in the British Household Panel Survey. There's the German socio-economic panel study data from an 18-year study of more than 30,000 Germans. Then there's the World Value Survey, which is an absolute monster. The World Value Survey has been going since the early 80s. It's now into its seventh wave. They're interviewing every five years. And as with Gallup, it's a 1,000 people from each country. My favourite data collection process, though, is with the smartphone app Track Your Happiness, originally created as part of um, a man called Matt Killingsworth's doctoral research, his PhD. It pings your phone every now and again and asks you a few questions about how you're feeling and what you're doing. And so if you take all this data from all these different sources, stick them into a computer, you can look for correlations. So we can see what influences us for the better and what influences us for the worse and it makes some very interesting reading, and some of it genuinely surprising. If we look at household income, for example, we do see that there's a correlation with a higher salary and greater happiness. But it's not a straight line. Well, a little bit of it is. At first, at the bottom of the wage ladder, it's a straight line. But once it becomes a decent wage, a total of about 50k in each household, a household worth 50k, that's two people, 25 grand each, that's when it begins to curve quite considerably, almost flattening out. So it becomes increasingly more difficult to get any happiness out of the extra cash in your pocket. To the extent that you can go up one point on the happiness scale, because of money, but it takes an extra £100,000 per year. And that's not really doable, not for most people. But if, but if you were to if you were to ask someone to name something that they know would give them an instant happiness boost for the rest of their life, they'd say more money. They'd say a promotion, a lottery win, something like that. And the frustrating thing is that this is a foundation to a lot of people's beliefs. It may be yours, but it's not enough. Having money in the bank might make it easier for you to do certain things that make you happy, but maybe you could do those things anyway if you realised that it wasn't the lottery win you wanted, it was actually spending more time with your family. Or it meant you had more time to do volunteer work or plan your meals better or exercise more or whatever. It's definitely worth looking underneath your desires to work out why you feel the need for money. Because the security that money brings has been with us for generations and the desire for it at an unconscious level is probably never going to go away. Think about it like this. If you go back 10,000 years, most societies were quite small. We didn't have very large families in those days because mothers would be breastfeeding for much longer. And if you didn't already know, breastfeeding prevents ovulation so that we don't end up with too many kids for the amount of milk that a woman can produce in a day. Genius! Human body's amazing, isn't it? So, the population was very slow to grow. 
And that gradually changed, probably with a mutation around 7,000 years ago that meant we could drink cow's milk instead. That's a big part of probably what moved things along. But, and things changed. But for a long time, we weren't farmers as we are now. We were hunter-gatherers and we used a bartering system. One person was good at laying a cobbled floor and someone else was pretty quick at making flint tools and everyone swapped services and goods with each other. And the more flint tools that someone had, the more spears they could make, the more food they could eat and the safer they were. But it's not sustainable as society gets larger. So we started using something to represent those goods and services, tokens. And the Chinese used replicas of the tools, tiny little toy swords to represent the real thing. But I expect everyone was stabbing themselves when they reached into their bags for them because it was also the Chinese that started rounding off the edges of these tokens and using what we would now think of as coins, which are much easier to carry around and much easier to desire. So things move on. And those coins become notes, and then they become numbers on a bank statement. But their origins are still about safety. The instinct to desire those numbers on a bank statement are all about preservation of the species, preservation of self, keeping you alive. So it does take a little bit of strength to override it. To be able to ask yourself, what is it that really makes me happy? But I urge you to do so, really. Because like I say, it might not be the promotion that you want. Often the promotion comes with longer working hours and more anxiety, a longer journey to work or phone calls from your boss at 10 o'clock at night. When actually it's working less that would have the positive influence on your mental health, not working more. And it can be tricky to find the balance between doing too little and doing too much, but it's worth exploring. Last month, a couple who live near Slough won a million pounds on the lottery That's a decent amount of cash, and for a couple who are in their mid to late 50s, it's enough to retire on, even if you don't invest it in a hedge fund or property or whatever. They were on the news last week because they'd both announced in their local press that they weren't going to give up work. She works in a care home, he works as a school caretaker. In fact, she had a 12-hour shift on Christmas Day, 8 till 8, because she says she loves what she does and she wouldn't want it to have to stop. If you can create a life where you're happy in the first place then anything extra on the top, like financial security, is the icing on the cake. Because there are other things that can shift us up a point on the 1 to 10 happy scale. Being less anxious and having more control over your thoughts. Being more grateful and appreciative of the simpler things in life. Having having a healthy opinion of yourself. Spending any spare cash on experiences rather than objects. All these things have a better influence on our happiness than money does. So it's really important to get our priorities right. We shouldn't be chasing the next shiny object to push the happy buttons in our brain. Through decades of research, we see that our brain has shortcuts to make it more efficient, heuristics and biases that help us to make decisions at an unconscious level so as to save energy, so that things are outside of our conscious awareness. We don't have to think about them. It's great. Unfortunately, one of the side effects of this is that yeah, you can walk into a room that smells nice, And after 10 minutes, you get so used to it that you no longer notice how nice it smells. It's called sensory adaptation. And with smells, it genuinely is at a neurological and completely unconscious level. Once you get used to the same continuing scent in your environment, you can't force yourself to notice it again. That's just not how the brain works. But with habituation, which is a behavioural phenomenon, 
rather than a neurological brain chemistry phenomenon, you can become aware again. Sensory adaptation and habituation are often confused with each other, but they are different. If you buy a new car, and are really pleased with it, because apart from a house, there's probably nothing more expensive in your life that you're ever going to spend any money on, so we ought to continue to appreciate it for longer than six weeks, because usually after six weeks it stops being this amazing new car and just becomes the car, with no more pleasure than the one we threw in the gutter when we went to buy another. But we can switch on that appreciation again. It just takes a bit of effort. So the next time you pick up your car keys to go to work or wherever, just for a moment, imagine what you'd have to do if you didn't have that car. Think about the process of going where you want to go, but by a different method. I'll never forget the first time I bought a car that had heated seats. It was a real luxury. But I soon got used to it. How unfair to the designers and engineers that spent so much time making it perfect for me. Just before this recording, I made myself a cup of tea, and I didn't think anything of it. The next time you make a cup of tea, look at all the steps it must have taken, just so you could slurp a mouthful of leaf-steeped warm water. The tea bag, the tea bag alone is complicated enough, let alone designing your kettle and your mug, as well as somebody had to organise the delivery of electricity to your home and into your kitchen. The next time you're hungry, and you eat something and you feel satisfied, just think about how complicated your body is. From that simple cheese and tomato sandwich, your body is able to break it all down and use all the constituent carbohydrates, all the the simple carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates, the vitamins and proteins, the minerals and fibre. Out of a sandwich, your body makes energy, energy that powers everything you do. Once you're able to make yourself aware of how big even the small things in life actually are, you can begin to appreciate them more. And imagine what life would be like without the things you take for granted. Think about how you'd make that cup of tea if everything man-made suddenly disappeared and you had to do it all yourself. We shouldn't have to have something taken away from us before we recognise how important it is to us, should we? How many times have you heard the phrase, you don't know what you've got till it's gone? So it's no secret. Anyway, let's bring this episode to a close for today, but I'm hoping to do an extra one in the middle of the month this month because these myths and misconceptions about what makes a happy brain are really quite interesting to me, hence the book, which I can't help myself from plugging again, very sorry, but it's called 15 Minutes to Happiness and there are links all over my website to go and buy your copy if you haven't already, that is. But it's pretty easy to find on Amazon. Just type in Richard Nichols and up I pop. So, as we get 2018 off with a flying start, I shall leave you to the rest of your day. Have a good one, and I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care.